Hello, everybody. This is episode two of the Stronghold podcast. I'm here with my buddy, Chris Tang. We're here to talk about Singapore, Asian, MMA culture, nerdy shit, games, whatever we like. Chris, welcome to the podcast, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. Cheers, Wes. Cheers. And we are drinking... What are we drinking right now? We're drinking Glamorangi Estar, a whiskey that pursuits perfection. (laughs) Not sponsored. Whiskey. Not a sponsor. Whiskey straight. (laughs) I don't drink whiskey straight very often. I usually go with a little Jack and Coke. Yeah. A little whiskey and Coke. We don't have ice. So we're just going to go fucking raw. We're making it work. We just finished training. Chris did a back-to-back. We did jiu-jitsu and then we did Muay Thai. Yeah. It was fun. You haven't done jiu-jitsu in a while. How was it? I haven't done. uh, Actually, it's like riding a bike, man. You don't don't forget that shit, man. That's why it's so important to do it, though. Yeah. It made me miss it. made me miss it. I think once you get to about the blue belt level that the training will kind of last for you you're at the point where you're riding the bike right once you're once you've got the blue belt you know how to stand up on the bike and once you know how to stay upright on the bike you won't fall off anymore yeah yeah, yeah, you will still maybe have some instability but you're not just going to fucking fall over anymore yeah for sure it's like that once you get the blue belt that is enough basic grappling skill to get you through most situations if you would ever need it in your life i think the real the real blue belt level you mean not 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 that uh mcdojo shit no, not the Chinese black belt shit. No, like not the, the real, the real blue, the belt real blue belt shit. But I think even further, like purple belt. Purple belt is yeah. the tops. If you yeah. can get the purple belt, any ninety nine percent of any altercations in an unarmed situation, you nobody fuck, can fuck with you. Yeah, you fuck the guy up. When yeah. I started jujitsu, man, like if you were a purple belt, you were like a god. Yeah. In two thousand and seven, when I started doing, no, it was two thousand and five. I was sixteen when I started doing jujitsu. There was only like, there wasn't even a single black belt in my entire state. Like. Back then, it was at like UFC 50. I think the first UFC I ever watched was, that I remember watching, was like BJ Penn versus George St. Pierre, the first one, which might have been UFC 45 or 50 oh, yeah. or what, something. What, what was that like, man? Like growing up in that kind of like, when jiu-jitsu was like the I Wild just, West, man. Yeah, I just wanted to learn it. Because I remember the first time I ever went to a jiu-jitsu class, right? So I did amateur wrestling from when I was 13 until I graduated high school. So I, that was what I started out with. And my amateur wrestling team was really big in the U.S., like top 20 in the nation, mm. Parkersburg High School. Shout out PHS. Parkersburg High School was really famous for their sports, good tennis team, good football team, good wrestling team. And uh, I thought I was like top, hot, you know, hot shit because I could just take people down and everything, even though I was an average wrestler at best. But I remember I had a friend over from my drama club. He came over to the house, and we were just like wrestling around, and he needed some jujitsu. And I was like, oh, okay, you think you can grapple? Cool. Let's, let's, let's fucking see. Let's see what's up. And then uh, I remember, like, I took him down. This was in the basement of my house, right? Never done jiu-jitsu, only wrestling. I took him down, got on top of him, and he put me in a triangle. But he didn't have the ankle locked behind the, the yeah, knee, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it wasn't choking me. He just had his ankles crossed, one over my shoulder. But I was stuck there for, like, five minutes, <laughs> and I could not get his legs off of my neck. And no matter what I'm doing, he's just, like, hugging my head with his legs over my shoulder, and he's squeezing his legs, and I'm like... And then I realized, what is the point of being on top just for the sake of being on top? Yep. So I'm like, okay, his shoulders are pinned down, but beyond that, what a, what's the point of this? And then he took me into one of his classes, and it was run by a blue belt, Damn. which was the highest belt back, back then. then. And then uh, my man. instructor, like maybe six months or a year later, got his purple belt, and that was like a fucking wizard, dude. In 2005, <laughs> if you had a purple belt in America, you may as well have been Hoist Gracie. Like there, there, that's what the level was like. I mean, Le- was learning totally back then, different. learning back then must have been so fucking different from today. Today you have like YouTube videos, you have like world champions posting shit all the time on Instagram, on YouTube. Back then, what, what was it like, man? Like learning how well, how the hell do you learn how to fight someone back then? Well, ironically, the same guy that I learned 
about jujitsu from was the same guy that I learned about YouTube from. <laughs> so this same guy was like, dude, you should check out this website. It's called YouTube. People put their videos and shit on. And I remember him Man. showing me like, back then, if you, <laughs> if you put in, do you remember this was like that here? If you put in certain words in YouTube, you would get like copyrighted shit that yeah, would pop yeah, up yeah. and you could watch it. Yeah. So he would give me this, it was like cheese grater, blah, blah, blah. And then like WWE wrestling that was copyrighted that you weren't supposed to be able to watch was yeah. there under a hidden thing. <laughs> yeah, you used to hide shit, hide shit under copyright shit, right? Yeah, yeah so yeah, it, yeah. shit was hidden. So you had to put these weird keywords in and then you could watch the copyright shit that YouTube couldn't find. This is like 2005 YouTube. When did they launch? It was like, I have no idea. Probably around then, right? Yeah, probably Five, around then. Seven. Yeah. But uh, yeah, back then there was no content for that. So you just, you had to go to somebody. And even then it was like a blue belt, a purple belt yeah. at best. And, and you did MMA right like up shortly after that or? I, well, I, I had my first amateur MMA fight shortly after that with zero Fuckin'. striking. Zero fucking striking. So I did jujitsu for like six months. I got my blue belt in like six months because I had an amateur yeah, wrestling yeah. experience yeah. for like helped, years yeah. before. But within six months, I was the same grade as the coach, which was, <laughs> was quite weird, right? But I already had the amateur wrestling experience. So at that point, I was, you know, like four years into grappling. And then uh, I started competing. I got my purple belt, and that was when I had my first amateur fight. Did really good. Took the guy down, choked him out. It was like a, a smoker. Yeah. You know what a smoker is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those of you who don't, don't know, a smoker is like gyms get like i'll call this is stronghold if i call some let's say i call highlight reel i talk to major mm. or something and i go major hey we want to have some little amateur fights at our gym but it's just like gym yeah, fights yeah, light you're not trying yeah, to kill internal, each other internal shit you internal know, shit yeah, yeah, little yeah, level stuff yeah. just to get a little experience yeah we had pressure. we had that in singapore you used to call it the cup of friendship cup of uh, friendship no one no one was friends there man that's a misnomer yeah everyone fucked each other up man <laughs> no one knew what the fuck they were doing and everyone's just fucking each other up well the that, scene well the scene here is also i mean you've been around since the beginning yeah how long have you been training i've fuck man i've been training for like 10 years so that's the beginning of that's singapore the beginning of singapore MMA. man no I even i I think it started like 12 13 years and there were guys up and coming but 10 years ago was when it started booming man when when people just wanted to fight but you had a handful of coaches, but that was about it. They they were good coaches, but they weren't the the coolest people sometimes. And back yeah. then, it was a lot more common to just like brawl, to just yeah. like yeah. like a training session or especially sparring or right. something. Striking was a fucking fight. Yeah, bojada as oh, the as the Brazilians call. You just go all out, man. You yeah. know, believe, believe. Thank, yeah, <laughs> believe. Dude, thank God the game has changed so much. Right, this is yeah. a real story about the first time I ever sparred. Yeah, right. I was shitting my pants. I was in Canada. I was training at the Adrenaline Training Center. I talked about it in the last podcast. This is like Sam Stout was fighting yeah. at that time in the UFC. Mark Hominick was fighting in the UFC. Actually, he just fought Jose Aldo when I was there for the world title. I was in Toronto for that fight. It was like 60,000 people in the Rogers Center in Toronto. It was fucking insane. GSP fought Jake Shields, Fuck. I think, on the same card. And uh, <laughs> so I trained for like two months, but I wanted to spar. I was like, I'm not just going to fucking hit the pads. I'm going to get in here and see what's up. And I'm shitting my pants because it's sparring. And like, I watched the guy spar, and this is 2008. 2009 and again there it was not like technical sparring this is like Troy western down. sparring where it may as well be a fight and i see it but i feel like i have to do it but i'm terrified to do it right i'm 19 at the time something yeah. like that 20 and uh first round ever that i go with i go with one of the coaches so i'm like i feel safe i thought or so i thought yeah, yeah. i thought i would be safe right and he goes okay it's boxing only boxing only for the first round so i'm like on the outside i'm like kind of throwing my jab a little bit just trying like to not freak out and just trying to not get hit and then within 20 seconds the coach 
grabs me in a tie clinch and fucking knees me in the sternum. I fall down, totally wind knocked out of me. I'm convulsing on the ground. And I literally, I'm like looking up to him and I'm like, dude, I thought it was only boxing. And he's like, oh yeah, sorry. Just totally fucking with me. Just like hazing, first day. I'm me. shitting my pants. I'm terrified just to do high, this. Just high school all over. <laughs> such a dick yeah, move. Man. It's like, could you imagine in Singapore if I did that to somebody that came yeah. in? Off the, that's fucked up, man. That's fucked up. That's fucked and then up, I was man. like terrified to spar like after that. And then I had to go and do like five more rounds of that shit. And that's just how people used to train. Yeah. It wasn't until I came to Singapore to Asia. And Experience I started Muay Thai, right? The Thais. The Thais. The Thai style is just, that's oi, a, That's oi, a good oi, shit, man. Oi. You can't, oi, they're playing with you. Yeah. It's fun. It's like tag. Yeah, because they start from kids. Yes. That's the thing. And they fight every week. So you can't, you, if you kick a tie really hard, they're not going to train with you. Like yeah. if, you, if you throw a, shot, a hard shot on them or a hard kick, I mean, they're not pussies. They're not afraid yeah. to fight. They're just not going to train with you because you're not a good training e- partner. Even in the fights, you know, even when you go to the stadiums and watch the fights, they're not going to, they're not going to, they're there to hurt each other, but they're not there to like really fuck each other up. Because they're all fighting two weeks they later. They know, so. they know, you know, it's, it's just to make a living. And, and I think that really changes things. Like in the West, maybe you guys, it's a machismo thing. But in Thailand, it's just to feed yourself for, for the two weeks. Yeah. And I think that changes everything, man. Dynamics and everything. And it's also, I mean, all of the Thai trainers talk about the, the followings when they train. Yeah. Right? They're all trying to win the sparring. They're all yeah. trying to yeah, win. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, they're just playing with you. Like the yeah. Thai boys, they're just kick, they kick you, they make a loud yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, they're oh, smiling. Yeah. They're just Yeah, they're not mocking you, playing. right? Yeah, yeah that, that's the one to... thing that I think a lot of Westerners don't get. Like yeah. when, 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 a, when a Thai guy goes in and he, oi, oi, they think it's like, ah, I'm, I'm mocking you because you're, you're Farang. But it actually, it's, it's, it's just a game, man. Yeah, it's a game. It's a game. Even, even in the fight, even with the 200 fights, it's still a game. Yeah. And, and I think that's what makes Muay Thai, like, beautiful. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Is it's a lot more about the technique. And, well, a lot of that, too, is the gambling. Yeah. Because in the Thai... Yeah, yeah. Round you, one. Round one is, round round one one is, is just, just for, to set the bets. For the bookie. Yeah. Red blue, red blue, red blue. Red blue. How much? How much? How much? Oh, he good, he good. He big oh, boy, he, he good, big good, boy. Good kick, good kick. <laughs> <laughs> that Thai-glish, man, is yeah, fucking great. I love it. But yeah. the, that's one of the huge things about Asia. It opened my, opened my mind to yeah. it. And we were talking about this earlier. We had some people come in for a trial from another gym. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to explain to them that it really is just a game. You have to accept the fact that you're going to get hit a little bit because here's the problem, right? If you and I are sparring and let's say I'm, I'm hitting you a little bit. If I touch you enough and I touch you hard enough, it's going to make you gun shy. You're going to be afraid to throw a shot because you're afraid I'm going to counter you. So you'll lock up. If you lock up because you're afraid of the, of the consequences, mm. it's not gonna, there's not gonna be a flow that happens mm. back and forth. The idea is I hit you, you hit me, we counter, we're moving. Yep. There's these skirmishes that happen consistently back and forth. The more of those that happen, the quicker you're gonna yeah. get skills. If you just lock up because you're afraid of what's gonna happen and you're not throwing back, it's, it's stopping your learning. Yep. It's, gonna, it's gonna create barriers to your progression. Yep. What's cool about the two people that joined us um, just now is that they come from kind of like a new trend in Singapore. I'm not sure if it picked up in the US yet, but in Singapore, we have something called like boutique boxing. So they go into like a dark room or a room in general and, and it's kind of like cardio kickboxing, but there's a water bag. And, and the, these two people that came just now, mm-hmm. Nick and Zaria, yeah. they were coaches at still boxing. So, so what is that? What is it, what is it called again? So it, it, it's called... I mean, their gym is called Still Boxing. There's a few places, Uppercut, Still Boxing, um, Crew Box and everything. But what it is, it's, it, it, it's like a tiny little room. And then there's one guy with 
you know, imagine the, those like cardio, like cycling stuff. It's exactly yeah. He's got, he's got yeah, a little mic and he's like telling everyone to come on, guys. Let's let's hit the back hard. Let this combination and and they do that. And and to be fair to them, I mean, I do see like really crisp technique. It's more fitness rather than like hardcore martial arts. Though, yeah, right? it is fitness, but you see good technique from the coaches on the bag because they know enough to. They don't. They they know, but but bag don't hit back, man. Yeah, bag don't hit back. Bag don't hit back. <laughs> bag, don't bag, hit back. bag don't hit back. And yeah. and and a lot of them are, are sparring for the first couple of times and you can see like, like you said before you know when you spar it, it's good to spar from the start man if, if, if you take like one year to spar it doesn't matter how how much bag work you did yeah. you know the bag don't fucking hit back yes <laughs> the first time that you spar it doesn't matter i have seen some as we call them pad warriors pad warriors there's i've seen a lot of pad warriors a pad warrior is just somebody i mean you look at them hit the pads and you look they, they could fight lumpini yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. their kicks have power. Their punches. They know how to pivot. They know how to turn. And then when you put them in sparring, because they've never done sport, maybe they've done the pad work for years. One hit. One punch, and they're they're turning yep. away. They're flinching. They're giving a flank. They're giving an angle because they're just not used yep. to that. But that's the whole game. That's yep. that's what you're training for. Yep. You, you gotta you gotta accept the fact that you're gonna get fucked up. That's the most important. You're fighting. Well, you're, you're in a loosely, fight. Loosely, loosely. You're loosely. gonna get hit. You're gonna you get, get hit. Fucked up. You're gonna get fucked. Yeah, you're but gonna you, get hit. You have to accept the fact that you're gonna get hit. Yeah. And if you try to not get hit, it's just gonna slow down. Yeah, it's like jujitsu, right? Yeah. If you go to jujitsu and you're like, I'm just gonna be in a defensive shell. I'm gonna keep my elbows in. Just gonna in. stay in close I'm just guard and stay chill. In like right? a ball the yeah. whole time, and I'm just gonna defend those submissions. Well, maybe you won't get tapped out, but yeah. if you don't risk a little bit if you don't aren't willing to put yourself out of position to try something yep. you're not going to learn as quickly yeah and i think i think that's that's an ego thing i mean that's why that's totally at, at, at every gym it's like it's cheesy and shit as shit but it's like leave your ego at the at the front door right like but people don't realize how big that is like how big a part of martial arts that is especially in a gym where there's active sparring i think people just don't like to lose yeah. especially in singapore well i do i do one of the I do a very different path for, for Muay Thai sparring because I believe in the jiu-jitsu training modality above all else. I think jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, has figured out the best training method yep. for growth. And that is you warm up, you drill, yep. you drill whatever technique, you learn the technique, you drill it a lot, and at the end of class, every day you have sparring. Yep. And you see coaches, you see striking coaches that they, uh, today realizing that, like you look at Barry Robinson, he's like, he's realizing that, it's all about drilling, man. Yeah. If you drill and drill and drill and drill, what makes striking different from jiu-jitsu, man? It's Nothing. just that striking, we tend to go like machismo, we want to go in and throw down, but if you train it like jiu-jitsu, you're just going to get so much better, so much faster. And the sparring every day. That's, yep. that's, what, sparring makes, every day, yeah. that's what makes jiu-jitsu the most efficient martial yeah. art. It's like you are going against a live opponent every single day. There is no time for, there's no forms, there's no yep. katas, you're not, if you're only hitting the bag, you're just wasting your time. Yep. You drill the, so there's a, there's a system that you go through, right? The first thing is, is uh, the jargon. When you first start doing jiu-jitsu or martial arts, you have to learn the phrasing. Yep. What's, what's the guard? What's the sound? Yep. Side control? What's the mount? Okay, once you get all of that down, you learn the basic positions and techniques. Okay, once you get all of that down, now you're drilling. The point of the drilling is the muscle memory. You drill, you drill, you drill until you get the muscle memory. Once you get the muscle memory, you stop thinking about what you're doing and your body will just start reacting. Yep. And once you get to that point, you have infinite techniques that you can apply yep. that same system to and over a long period of time, that will make you an excellent martial artist. Yep. And I don't care if you're doing Muay Thai, if you're doing boxing, if you're doing whatever, that the training modality that jiu-jitsu brought into the martial arts community, I think is universally the best, the best because it consists of the most important things, which are drilling and sparring every day. 
Yep, I agree. And I can see it in some of your new students, man. Like, look at Sam. Mm. He's only Sam, been shout out. Shout out to Xiang, Sam. I was getting ready to say, what's his Chinese oh. name? Yeah, for I Singaporeans, he's Wei Xiang. But for, for, for the for more white Western, people, white, he's Sam. He's Sam. Angmo, Angmo, like Angmo, Angmo, Angmo motherfuckers, he's Sam. <laughs> right, right. He's such a terrible white person name. Yeah, Sam. Like, he, he, to feel the need to call himself Sam. I know, just tell me your name. <laughs> it was like, I used to be a teacher at the Korean, Interna- or the Korean International School in Singapore, and I would be looking at this bowl-cutted Korean kid that's like 15 years old, and I'd be like, what's his name? And he's like, John. And I'm like, your name's not fucking John. Oh, hello, my name's Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> hello. It's like, most likely your name is like Park Jung-hee or whatever it's Korean fine. name. It's like, just yeah. tell me your actual name. I'm not going to call you John. Like, <laughs> don't do that for me. Like, just tell me what your actual name is and I'll call you that. But yeah, but Sam. Sam has, I mean, Siang, Sam. He's improved so much faster than most of the normal people who go through the, the same old routine of like, just the boring stuff with no sparring. You know, you hit the bag for one year, hit the pads for half a year, and then you go sparring. But he, he's been sparring since day one, and he's picked it up like, like that, man. When he first came in, he couldn't even skip. Yep. He didn't even know how to jump rope. Yep. And then now he can jump rope. He spars. He hits the pads. Yeah. And this is the other thing about the sparring. It's the most fun. <laughs> why would you not? Why would you train years of Muay Thai and not spar? It, it gets you coming back. Like, yes. Who the fuck wants to hit a bag for one and a half hours? I know. No, fuck, man. It's so boring. Dude. It's like jujitsu, right? What gets you? There's two schools of thought, right? One is the first time you tap somebody out, that will give you the itch. The second one is the first time you get tapped out. Yep. That will get you the itch because in one context, you're like, finally, I got this person. I've been training for however many months, and for the first time, I made somebody tap out. Like I, yep. I got a simulated kill. Awesome. Yep. Right? Kill count one. <laughs> right? But if you are the person that's getting tapped out, you can have two reactions, right? One is you will want to leave because it will bru- bruise your ego. And the second one is you'll be like, that guy just tapped me out. What did I do? Yep. Why did he get my neck? I yep. cannot let this motherfucker get my neck again. Yep. And then that will just eat at you and eat at you and eat at you. And that will bring you back. Yeah. And it's the same thing for Muay Thai. If you're not getting hit, you don't have to get hit hard. But if you don't get hit and you're like, wait, what was I doing that that guy just punched me in the face? Yep. I need to think about that and then correct it. Sparring is the most self-corrective, self-correcting way of learning how to fight. Uh, hands down. Look at, look at TJ, man. TJ comes in day in and day out to get beaten up. And, and he tells me he loves it already. I'm like, wait till you tap someone out, man. Yeah. Wait till you fucking tap. He's starting to get there. He's oh, starting yeah, to be yeah, able yeah. to get I, some arm I see bars. It. I see it, man. And he's lost a lot of weight. He's one of those guys that I wish we don't have a scale in the gym. What We're going to get one. But he's one of those guys that I wish we had done like a before should, and after. I think you should start now. I mean, I know, they're, still, totally right. they're, still not at, they're still not at the state where they're, they're fighting fit. But if you take it now and, and you, you do it like two months down the road, I'm just not it, really, it'll be good for them, man. It'll be good for, for them. For sure. Yeah. I just don't really think about the weight so much as a metric more than yeah. I do the seeing the technique and the consistency. But yeah. it's important for people, especially man, if that's your fitness goal. I, I was a fat boy too, man. I was 130 kilograms. Yeah, when how, I met how, you. How much was that in pounds, man? Dude. Oh, 130 kilograms. You, you were 130 you kg. Didn't me when I was 100. Fuck, dude! Yeah. I didn't know you were that I used, heavy. I used to play rugby, and I used to. My one rule was to take the ball and run, just fucking run straight. Just and, a bulldozer. And I, I could run fast for a fatty. <laughs> you're run. athletic. Dude. I could you're run athletic. fast for a fat fuck. By the way, man. Chris, if you don't know, he can do a full split. I mean, he's got a question mark kick where he can go right yeah. to the gut, wrap it right it, around the head. It's because yeah. I was. It's because I was fat, man. I should. That I, doesn't I, make I sense. Just, I just. Split my fucking way <laughs> with the weight, bro. Dude, I don't know. Yeah, you're no. really yeah. flexible. Yeah. Since since you came back from Australia, actually, when you came yeah. back from Australia, you were quite heavy. What, yeah, I was. A, I, I, dude, I, I think up up to this year, March, I was still close to 100, man. 
And then I realized that like down the road, I want to go back to competing. I want to go back to not just competing in jiu-jitsu because that's what I used to do, but competing in Muay Thai. I, I want to fight at the lighter weight class because that's where all the killers are. What do you right now? I'm about 75. I want to I wanna compete about s- low 70s or high 60s. I mean, I think your your weight now is you're just about at the homeostasis weight, right? Yep. You're the natural, like you're yeah. just eating right most yeah. of the Moving time. Moving well. I move well now, you know, everything, but I still want to cut more, man, because I want to, I want if I want to fight in Singapore, I want to get into my first amateur fight. I want to fight the good guys. Yeah, man. you're 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 gonna be ready for that soon. Yeah, because uh, you've been you've been doing it for so long. Yeah. You took the right path to have an amateur fight. Like, don't train for six guys. Don't train for six months <laughs> and have an amateur fight. <laughs> don't pretend. This is one of these things that drives me fucking crazy. Is about the internet, right? Like, do you ever see any of these like Buzzfeed videos or it's like oh, I man. trained MMA for three months and then had a fight, or I, tra- Spo- I trained like UFC fighter for one Spoiler, month. Spoiler: He got fucked. By the way, everybody he, he got. Fucked, no, he did no jujitsu. He did no jujitsu. The guy, who was, in like the guy who was coaching him was just like, well, he tried his best. Yeah. Oh, that fuck, and I'm man. like, Why no, would, this guy could have got brain damage. What are you doing? Could have died, man. It's not it, a fucking joke. It's like, not a game. That, yes. I mean, you know, when we spar in the gym, it's a game. But I mean, that's why we always say, right? Like we're chill when it's when it's not. It's just normal training. But when it's competition mode, it's, when you're going to train for a fight, that's different shit, man. You're putting your life on the line. And I think a lot of people glamorize this whole like because of conor mcgregor and all mm. that shit they think it's a game but these people could die yeah well it happened remember uh within in the, in one, the month right? there were like two or three boxers that yeah, died yeah. within the last month even in one right the weight cutting shit yeah i saw that guy so for the those chinese of you, chinese yeah so dude, for right? those of you that don't know uh there was a chinese fighter that fought in one about two years ago yeah. something like that and uh he died while he was jogging he was just jogging trying to lose weight just collapsed and died and uh, because of that one change their weight cutting policy so now they do a hydration test to make sure that you can only cut a certain amount of weight so they bumped up everybody a weight class and then changed it's a little sketch it's a little because yeah, some people still fight across multiple weight classes they don't so, do public weigh-ins man yeah, so this is for the joe rogan podcast listeners and all the western podcast listeners who don't actually know what's going on here because yes they do do hydration tests and yes they did bump all the weight classes up but yes people are still cutting weight do not let yourself be fooled. People are still cutting weight. Otherwise, Martin Nguyen could not have fought in three different weight classes. Yep. Okay, so they're still cutting weight. It's not a perfect system. It's better than the UFC. But don't say people aren't cutting weight. The one system is perfect. It's not. It's always a way to cheat the system. There's always a way to cheat yeah. the system. And it's better. It's definitely an improvement. But that shit is still going on. And uh, anyway, to go back, I was cornering uh, Major overall. He's, uh, he's got a gym here in Singapore called Team Highlight Real. Shout out Major. Good savage, dude. savage. I cornered uh, him when he fought in one. He fought Kotetsu Boku and then he fought someone else and I cornered him for those and then he cornered me when I fought in SFC. And uh, so we're good friends. He owns his own academy here. And I was there. Was it with Major or Steven? I don't know. I also cornered, I also yeah. cornered Steven Langdon. Cornered everyone. One of those, one of those <laughs> fights, this Chinese guy who died was yeah, yeah, yeah. in there cutting weight. Oh, so I saw him the fight before he died. What, what did they do? Did they, did they, did they, they didn't cancel the event, right? They just... Well, I mean, I think their response to it was to change the weight cutting procedures. Yeah. But I, I saw that guy. He was like 21, 22 years old. <laughs> really, really weird. young. This was the same fight card where Ben Askren fought Sapo. Yeah, because I remember. Oh really, fuck, yeah, dude! I have a really ooh. funny story about this. So, ooh, so for that fight, man. So for those of you that think Ben Askren is just putting on a gig, that guy talks shit all the fucking time. So Sapo and Ben Askren had the first fight, 
And Sapo was beating the shit out of him, yeah, right? He was. In the first round, yeah. judo threw him, was just pounding on him. It was one of Ben's toughest first rounds ever. To the eye poke, right? Yeah, but yeah. He's, and there was an eye poke. But Ben started to come on. He was, Sapo was getting tired. Ben was starting to come on. The tide looked like it was shifting. But then there was an eye poke, and the fight got rescheduled. And uh, in the second fight, Sapo didn't make weight. And I'm telling you what, Sapo came in fucking dead, right? I mean, he's dragging ass to the scale, trying to make weight. And, ben at, and we're all sitting in this back area, including this Chinese fighter who died. All of us are sitting in the back room because it's like, uh, like Matt Hume is there, Chachri's there. All of the people are sitting there for the weigh-in. And we're all, the whole fight card and all the coaches are in there. And Ben Askren is sitting there talking so much shit to Sapo while he's, like, dying trying to step on the scale. Like, Sapo's like this, getting up. And then Ben Askren's sitting in the back. He's like, Matt, what's he weigh? Hey, I know he's fat. I know he's overweight. Hey, how much does this guy weigh? While Sapo's like, ugh. He's sitting there talking shit to him while he's still stepping on the scale. Part of the game, though, right? I mean, dude, he is part like of the that game, though, right? all the time. And everybody's laughing. This is the hilarious part, right? Sopo's fucking dying on the scale, and Ben Askren's talking shit to him, and everybody around is laughing at this dude while he's trying to step up on the scale. Like, you kind of feel bad because he's fucking in misery trying to cut the weight, not making weight, and he's getting embarrassed by this dude who's talking shit, and ev all of the 50 people in the back are sitting there laughing at the dude. But, but that's the other thing about one, right? Like, you, you think, you know, they, all, they always publicize honor and, and respect for their opponents. It's not that. I mean, it is that, but they just don't show the trash talking yeah right there's that gamesmanship yeah. is he's, still there he's for honor sure. in respect for your opponent <laughs> do, not, do not respect always respect opponent well one of the things that's interesting about like if you watch singapore mma is that uh the, the crowd is very quiet it's very similar to japan yeah right like if there's a sweep if the, even if there's a leg kick if there's a little amount of action like it's dead silent followed by this like cheer and then dead silence yeah like, you can hear the corners screaming like, from yep, the yep, top yep, yep. row of watching, if you're in the Singapore Indoor Stadium trying to watch the fight, And fights. then a white guy says, punch his dick. Punch him in the dick! It's punch always, him in the dick! It's always a white dude. Yeah, it's always a fucking... Like, the Singapore... It's always Singaporeans are quite, Yeah, it's, it's always, always a, a fucking Aussie, man. It's always a fucking Aussie yeah, dude. Yeah, they're like that, man. But I do like that about Asia, because if you watch a UFC, if you're in America and you watch it, I mean, it's just Rowdy as shit, drunk right? dudes I'm talking sure shit. Brazil, 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 Brazil looks pretty bad, they're, man. They're telling you, screaming at you to yeah, fucking die. Yeah. Like, they have that chant. Yeah, yeah they die. Yeah. I can't remember I, what Yeah, what I know the, the die chant, right? Yeah, yeah die, 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 yeah. die. And you're just like, God, that's, that's harsh. That's really fucking yeah. harsh. But here, it, it, is, it is a lot better. Did you, did you, did you, were you here when they had this boxing fight between, does this, like, fucking B-rated Singaporean celebrity called Stephen Lim and he mm. fought this Indian bodybuilder. I did. I saw that. Our producer's laughing. He knows he knows yeah. he knows he knows what we're talking about. That I mean Tell the it's, story. it's not funny. Uh so you it's know funny. Man, the guy died, man. It's not funny. It's not funny. <laughs> it's, it's not fucking funny. It's dark. It's dark. I mean and okay, funny. so this was the time when one FC was getting big. So this organization called Muse. They own a nightclub. They own a Muay Thai gym. It's the fucking weirdest arrangement ever. I know a few Muay Thai fighters there, but they decided to hold an event and the main card, the main fight was this B-rated weird dude called Stephen Lim. He was on Singapore Idol. He, he, he failed his audition and shit. He's like a YouTube celebrity kind yeah. of, right? Or like a social media a Celebrity kind of. is a fucking loose word to yeah. use. He's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> but he's... I mean, he's a smart dude. He yeah. knows how to sell himself in a weird fucking way. But anyway, he fought this Indian bodybuilder. He was supposed to fight another ex-Singapore idol dude, and that fell through because some insurance shit. But anyway, the, the bodybuilder stepped up, 
they got into a fight and the Indian dude just looked bad, even though he was an ex-boxer, whatever the fuck that means in Singapore. It means you know, nothing. Every, everyone has boxed in Singapore. Yeah. You know, you hit a bag, everyone says they're a boxer. But they fought and then uh, the Indian dude looked bad. You know, he just looked sick. He looked tired. And This is the he, problem with bodybuilding, right? You don't have the endurance to go and, like and that. And you don't know what shit they're on before yeah. that. I mean, to be fair to them, I mean, it's, it's their sport. And it's, you're swinging haymakers for like a minute and then you gas out and then you're getting beat up. It's yep. just a getting, getting punched in the face while you're tired already is never a good recipe. With all that bulk, yep. it needs oxygen. And yeah. if you any, any way it, the dude, the dude passed away, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, that's and, and fuck, I mean, that's that's the thing we were talking about. Like people yeah. think it's a game. It's not a fucking no. game. I, I make jokes earlier, but it's, it's yeah, not a fucking it's game. A fucking it's really, game, it's not funny because yeah. this is why you, you don't play fighting. It's this classic adage. You don't, play fighting, you don't yeah. play fighting. You get in there, you never know. I mean, you could get a head kick yeah. and you just talk funny. You could, I mean, it's just infinite amount of things that can go wrong. Yeah. And if you're not properly trained, like we're going back to this BuzzFeed shit. Yeah. It's, that like, that's, it's, not, it's not the move. You got to dedicate yourself to this shit or you're going to get hurt. You know, the most true part of that whole video was his friends going, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. Like, and at the end, they're like, oh, he's a warrior. He's this. No, he's a fucking idiot. Like a fucking moron, yeah, dude. The guy is a fucking idiot. You, you got to be. You, a degree of respect, sure. You step into the ring, man in the arena, whatever. I mean, it it takes balls to do that for sure. But it's not smart. It's not smart. It's not smart. Don't do that, man. Don't don't fight for six months. Don't train for six months and then think you can fight. And and he he I mean he was an inspiration in the sense that he lost weight before that. You know he got fit and everything. But why why make the jump so quick? You know you're telling you know the thing is maybe okay it's a it's a story of courage and shit. But you're teaching people the wrong thing. Yeah. Okay, everybody, on that note, we're going to have to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, everybody, we're back. Took a little water break. Took a little pee break because we're Piss drinking whiskey. Break. We broke the seal. We broke the seal. Like That's amateurs. the problem. Like That's the problem is when you break the seal. Oh, wait, wait, shall we say noobs because we're, we're, we're fucking nerds is as well? Is this true? I heard that breaking the seal is not a real thing. No. But then, but then I also, because, okay, think about it. If you are just consuming, let's say you're drinking beer. If I drink two or three pints, of, you never drink that much water ever. Yeah. So if you just drink that much, is it just naturally cycling through, or does it in fact stimulate the kidneys and the bladder? If you and do it you with hot to... liquor, it'll be the same, man. Yeah, I know. You never need to pee until you need to pee. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like don't 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 be a fucking. And it's scrub. true. The first time you do it, it's like every five minutes you're going. Every to five minutes, yeah. Especially in the club is the worst fucking thing. Yeah. Can it, you can you can you guys hear that shit in the background? Yes. There's a the Indian bar next. Not racist. It's an actual Indian bar. Yeah. Okay. Don't judge me for yeah, saying yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. No no yellow privilege here. You know I'm Chinese. You know I can't say some stuff. But you know what? That's what makes Singapore. Cool, you know, and I'm white, and white people can't be racist. Yeah, Everybody we, knows we're that. We're both white privilege, yellow privilege. You know, we're both the privileged bunch. But on a serious note, I think I think stuff like this, you know, opposite stronghold as an Indian live band bar, and I think that's fucking amazing. That's fucking yeah. cool. That's what that's what makes Singapore cool, right? Like, like so many different cultures, so many different styles. Like you, you never get this with Chinese people, man. Well, even on the even on the the jujitsu side of it, right? The yeah. multiculturalism here is insane. Like, actually, we just stronghold just shared a shared a post like last week and it was like there were eight people in the jiu-jitsu class on like a Wednesday night or something yeah. like that and uh, my business partner posted something and he was like uh, a flag for all the every, different countries right and there was like there's my business partner is Angolan and then we have another guy that was from South Africa and we had like two Singaporeans I'm American we had shit I can't even remember who else was in there yeah we're like a, we are like a not fucked up Hong Kong <laughs> yeah the world's changing right we are how old are you I'm 28 Okay, so you're 28. I'm 30, so we're the same age, basically. Yeah, we are the last generation of people. 
to grow up without the internet and also with it. Analog and digital, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not our kids. Everyone else from without our parents, like my mom, for example, lived all of her life without it, and only in her VCRs. We, yeah. we, we grew up in VCRs. In her VCRs. old age, she had discovered the internet, right? But we are one of the we are the transition generation, the Game Boy generation, right? And yeah. we knew what it was like to live without it and to have yeah. it, but that will never exist again. Yeah. And you see that the world is changing all around because as we modernize, you have this unique thing where even like kids, right? Like maybe someday you and your wife will have kids. It's one of those things like how much time do you let them play on the iPad? How much time do you yep. let them play video games? It's a new worry, man. This is a new worry that <laughs> never no existed one, no before. No one thinks of this as a worry. And anymore. what's the right number? Because A, there's a lot of business in this. If you become a master of, of functioning with a computer and an iPad and you know how to handle it and you know how to manipulate it and you know how to code, that can be your business. But at the same time, you don't want to lose touch with the animalistic aspect of being a human, which yep. is we shit, we eat, we piss, we fuck, we all of the human needs that we have that are dissociated or uh, separate from this thing that we're, this technological thing that we're evolving into. Yeah. And you have to live that sort of thing, which is what Singapore is really, why Singapore is really fascinating because Singapore is this technological economic yeah. giant in everybody that you see. This is like the king of nerd culture is what yeah. I call Singapore, right? Yeah. Everybody here games. Everybody here is connected to yeah. their devices. Everybody's got their phones. Everybody's doing shit all the time which is why it's fascinating that martial arts is booming right now at the same yep. time because you have this parallel thing that's happening where as technology and people shift more toward that, there's this need arises to just fight and to yeah. punch and to kick and to be physical and to and choke. He, and, and you realize it's always the nerds who pick it up. Yes. It's always the fucking nerds Because they're gamifying it. it yeah, they're right? gamifying it because it is a game. It, it literally is, it a, is game. a game. Yeah. I kill you with my body. And you try to stop me, and then there's all of these steps that we both know that I have to do in order to yep. do it, and you have to prevent it, and it, it literally, you gamify. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I won't be surprised if in the next three or four or five years, you get a really legit Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion coming out of Singapore, man. Yeah, well, it already yeah. happened. There was a girl. Yeah, but like, I mean, at like black belt level, yeah. like, like, it's going to be one of those things where like Singapore's always focusing, for those who don't know, Singapore's always focusing on like soccer and track and field and, and, and a lot of these other like more conventional sports. But jiu-jitsu, I, I think it's going to be one of I those. I would argue like, that martial arts is becoming quickly the national pastime of Singapore. Yeah, people, fitness. Yeah. Fitness is the thing. Right? It's so trendy right yeah. now. Everybody's doing like cool. box fit or Muay Thai or jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Oh, F45, you know. F45, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, all, even all of the yeah. standard gyms are starting yeah. to offer these classes because they realize that there's a niche there and there's yeah. a, a market for it. Yeah. People just like to fight. Yeah. <laughs> and it is that thing here where I was talking to this about Greg. So sorry if you lost, if you watched the last podcast. But it's one of those things where Singapore tends to gamify things. Like uh. everything is much more detached emotionally yeah. from, from what you're doing, right? Like if, I, if we're rolling and I'm choking you, the Singapore mindset is that this is a game. There's a rule set and I'm trying to figure out how to, to manipulate you in, within this confined rule set. Whereas like, and this kind of goes back to the phalangs and sparring, mm. in a Western context, you're trying to fight somebody. You're trying to win it's much more like I'm trying to beat you. Yeah. There's a contest. Whereas like Singapore, it's a game. It's, it's a like, game. it's not emotional. Similar, it's not detached. Yeah. I'm not trying to embarrass you. It's just, I'm trying to win the game. Whereas in America, if you're sparring, if you're training, it's like, I'm trying to fight you. I'm trying to assert my yeah. dominance. It's not detached. It's emotional and, to a certain and, extent. And here's the thing about that. Because in Singapore, we have a very competitive work 
environment. So we're always fighting. That's true. We're always fighting. That's we're always true. fighting to be better than our colleagues. We're always fighting to be better than our rival companies or, or, or you know, even if you have your own business, you know, there's so much competition that oh God, when, you do, when you do a martial art, ironically or unironically, you end up playing a lot, which is to me the best way to learn yeah, something. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, and it's good. It's good. I, I think I think in the next four or five years, you'll see world champions coming out of Singapore and our government will be like, why? Mm. <laughs> well, why is this happening? But of course, they'll jump onto it because yeah. the Singapore government jumps onto everything. Well, even when the girl, uh, wh- yeah. what was her name? Uh, Constance. Constance. Constance, yeah. Even yeah. when Const- she won the IBJJF, was it brown belt? Yeah, I'm not I sure. I think she was, yeah. I can't remember. Sorry, Constance. Yeah. I've, I've met you, but I don't know. But she won the IBJJF World Championships and she was on like the Straits Times and they, made, they wrote an article yeah. about her and all that kind of stuff because there's a locally grown... Hero. Yeah, hero. Yeah. Totally. And the same thing with... Um, it's not easy to go to that pyramid in fucking yeah. LA, in California and, and, and I've been there watch as a spectator and it's fucking intimidating, man. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why I think the Singapore culture is so fascinating because there's something, there's a really interesting dynamic to me that... It's like this interesting dichotomy that exists between a technological, business, economic-driven powerhouse like Singapore that's also developing this culture of traditional fighting and martial arts. Because it's like it's almost like Fight Club to me, right? Because yep, like yep, you yep, see yep, Fight yep, Club, because yep, yep. this guy's just living in this boring, repeating sort of just business. All of his interests are like about his furniture and his yeah. job and his day-to-day bullshit problems. And then when he goes to Fight Club, he gets this release. And it's this primal thing that does not exist in his day-to-day job. Yep. And that's what you get with these assassin nerds who yeah. train jiu-jitsu and train Muay Thai. Like everybody that comes here, like we have doctors, we have PhDs, we have lawyers, we have parents working in whatever business that they're working in. They're just regular desk employees that come in on their spare time with with their kids yep like they're coming in after working eight hours taking care of their kids to come in and then simulate murder for an hour <laughs> and there's something that's just beautiful about that because I, you can't you're in the moment right you're not thinking about what's going on in the future you're not thinking about this like when somebody's got their arms wrapped around your neck and they're trying to choke you you're not concerned about what's going on tomorrow at your fucking office like the priorities shift yep and something about being in that moment is addictive to people especially yep. in singapore because yep. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and I think, you know, our generation, we're always, you know, the baby boomers are the generation before us, our parents and stuff. And they always tell us, you, you kids don't know how, how good you have it. You know, back in the day, it was tough. You know, we had to grind it out, especially in Singapore, and no doubt about that. But I think the reason why martial arts has become so popular with baby boomers, uh, with, with our millennial generation, is that when we go into martial arts, we experience hardship, something that, to be fair, a lot of millennials don't experience in Singapore. We're such a lucky country. Singapore is one of the most amazing countries in the world, to be honest. And because we just, you know, we don't experience hardship. Especially on the physical, the pure physical yeah, level. Yeah, like you know, that, we don't right? grind it out I as I mean, there's much. emotional, there's business yeah. problems, there's all that kind of stuff. But the physical release. Yeah. We just, we just learn hardship through martial arts and... And in a way, it helps us to relate to the past generations. I think maybe this isn't something that's talked about as much, but I think down the road when the martial arts scene develops a bit more in Singapore, a lot of people are going are to look back, like how I've looked back and said like, yeah, you know, I, I, I get punched in the face because my dad had to grind when he was young and this is the closest thing I, I get 
to like grinding and hardship and pushing myself to the limits and yeah this is this is modern day war modern day war yeah you're, you're not you, idea i mean singapore you're not going to combat we don't want to singapore doesn't want to go to the middle east they don't want to do yeah. all that shit this is a way that you can safely and controlled go to war yep and just see what does it feel like when somebody's mounted you and they're sitting on your chest and you want to just get away and then they're like trying to choke you and trying to arm lock you and you have that inner dialogue in your head where you're like should i tap should i just quit yep. Do I, am I, do I work through this? Am I going to be a bitch? You have that inner monologue with your inner bitch yeah, inner where bitch. you're like, well, how's this going to play out? What do I do? Should I quit? No, I can't quit, but I want to quit. This sucks uh, well, so well, bad. Fuck you. Yeah. Well, and then you. you see what you're made well, of fuck me. in that moment. Fuck you. Fuck me. Yes. I'm just going to be someone I'm not today. And you know what? Yeah. When you start, you might tap. You might give up at that point. Yeah. But if you keep coming back and you keep doing it again, yeah. your inner bitch will get quieter and quieter and quieter. That's what I tell all my friends. Like, you know, you want to relate to your parents, you do martial arts. You can relate to your parents that way. Yeah. Yeah, because the, that struggle. The struggle, yeah. yeah? The struggle is the same. they went through is totally yeah. different than what the modern day struggles are. Yeah. Even when we talk about like the internet and stuff, yeah. like the convenience that you have today. If you don't seek out discomfort, you're probably not going to deal with it much in your life. Yeah, it's not and the same, but it's similar, right? Yeah. yeah it's similar. Because yeah. you don't, most people aren't actively looking for discomfort. Yep. But if you don't look for it, nowadays you might not how find you it. How and you don't do want to be the person yeah. that doesn't know how to deal with an uncomfortable situation. Like, you want to have that. To be a man or a woman in a modern-day society, you need to understand how to deal with hardship. Yep. And nothing teaches you better than martial Getting arts. Getting punched in the face. <laughs> All right, guys. One more break. We'll be back soon. Cheers. Okay, and we're back for the last section of the Stronghold Podcast. We were, talking, uh, we were talking at the break about something that I, I want to talk about a lot because I've experienced it so yeah. much is toxic martial arts culture. And it exists in every martial art. It exists in Muay Thai and in Jiu-Jitsu and in traditional martial arts like Taekwondo and Karate. And uh, there's just so many of these things, these bad habits you see at schools that can just destroy them or destroy the people inside them and Chris I think you've seen it as well too yeah man and we were, t- we were talking about the Chinese guy right like the mm. Chinese guy who went around and beat up like traditional Chinese martial arts dudes and yeah this is a guy that went viral for he would like go he's like a 20 year old MMA fighter 25 or 30 whatever he is and he would go around and he would f- have MMA fights with these old Chinese masters I mean these guys are like in their 50s and he was just trying to basically expose the fact that their martial arts don't work for hand-to-hand combat this is like tai chi and wing chung and certain things and there's a certain element of that is true but the guy just had no tact you know there was he was a dick he was a dick he was a dick about it yeah he, was he, he wasn't nice about it man like like i think we we talked about this in the break if if we were ever in a position where a traditional martial artist came up to us and said hey i want to i want to test my my aikido or my my wing chun against me i we wouldn't go ahead and beat the fuck out of them like he did, man. Like, we would show them why their martial, why just one route of martial arts doesn't work. We would play with them a bit. We would, we would, you know, we would have fun with them, but we wouldn't, like, break their noses like this Chinese dude. We're not going to Conor McGregor this shit and just punch an old man <laughs> in the face <sighs> for no reason. Too soon. <laughs> yeah, I know, too soon. Yeah. But th- this is the thing, right? If I were in that situation, if I was the Chinese guy, I think you would have a much more effective message Listen, if some 50-year-old Aikido master, old man, even if he's not old, if he's a young guy, if he's my age, if he came in here and was like, hey, you're, what you're teaching is bullshit, it doesn't work, uh, let me test my Aikido on you, yeah. I would just disable that dude quickly, easily, I'd put him in a submission, I'd take him down, I would do the least amount necessary, maybe you embarrass him a little bit, but you don't beat the shit out of him, that is just completely yeah. unnecessary. 
this is one of those things like I was talking to Greg last week about the fact that have you been in a street fight? Yeah. You've been in a street fight. Okay. Yeah. I've never been in a street fight. <laughs> and you know why I've never been in a street fight is because I don't feel the need to beat up somebody who mm -hmm. doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. Even if I'm drunk and I'm in a fight, like I've been in situations that escalated to the point where if mm -hmm. I had wanted to do that, it would have happened. But I, in my head, know that this is a joke. Like, yeah. there's nobody, unless you're a trained professional, a highly trained professional fighter, yeah. if you pick a fight with me, I know how it's going to go. Yeah. I don't need to prove that, so I will just back down if it and needs to, because I'm not going to hurt you. Like, I just have no desire to do that. I completely agree. And, and when I said that I've been in a street fight, you know, I, there are clubs in Singapore, people get drunk, they pick fights on you because I, I just look like a friendly guy, apparently, and people want to pick on me. All martial art, all martial artists tend to look like friendly dudes, and yeah. people want to pick on them. But I never like try to fuck them up. You know, I I would control them. What you learn in jujitsu, as cheesy as it is, you fight fire with water. You mm. just diffuse the situation. You you keep you hold them till someone the bouncer comes or or till help comes, yeah. and th that's the way to deal with a street fight. I, I've been in a street fight, but which I, is the way to do it with these old masters? Yep. If some Aikido guy came in here, think he's gonna fuck me up. Guess what? I'm just gonna mount you. I'll pin your wrist down and you'll kick and you'll throw and you'll be like a five year old yeah. having a freak out, a little panic attack yeah, yeah, yeah. and a little tantrum. And I'm just going to be like, calm down. TJ has calm that down. one friend, right? TJ has oh, that one us. friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TJ, TJ, shout out to TJ. TJ, shout out. He has this one friend and, and I, I don't mean any disrespect to, to TJ's friend. Uh, TJ tells me about his friend all the time because TJ's starting in his martial arts journey and. His friend is has been doing Aikido f for as long as that guy can remember, and he he asked TJ why why the hell are you learning BJJ? You know, um, it it's not realistic because one on one combat is just just not realistic. What if I have a staff or what if I have a spear? But the idea, <laughs> what in your pocket when you're at a bar? Are you just walking with a bow staff on your fucking back? Like what are you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe he what are you he, doing? he he was he was he was being ex he was probably exaggerating at that. What point. What if he has a gun? What if well, he has a gun? Well, guess what? Your he, fucking he Aikido is not gonna yeah. do shit. Be, you know, you know, martial arts. The real the real martial arts tells you that the guy has a weapon. You run the yes, fuck away. You get away. You run the get fuck away. away. First thing, but the guy brought up some points like, what if you're fighting multiple opponents? Same thing. You run away. You but run away. That, that's the thing. I man. love how like, you know this though. Like, even you've trained long enough. There's, there's an old adage, right? Yeah. You train long enough to get yourself killed. Yeah. Which is a thing where it's like you train just enough to gain enough confidence that you think in any situation you're safe. Yeah. But you've trained enough to know that multiple attackers, weapon, like you get attacked from behind, you, you get in an altercation where you don't know yeah. if the other person has a knife or a weapon or yeah. is insane or whatever. You just get the fuck out of there. Away, yeah. That's it. You run. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. There's, 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 you are not supposed to square up. You know. And like, fuck that, you're gonna man. get yourself killed. If there's ten guys in front of you, you don't act tough. You run the fuck away. Well, I'm doing a, we're doing a women's only self defense ah, that's really course good. next yeah. week. That's good and shit. Wugong, I'm gonna ask you. To, it's next Sunday. Well, I'll ask you to come in and film that, and then we'll do the podcast right afterward. And you know, it's one of these things. Like my wife and I designed the curriculum. She's one of the instructors at Stronghold. And we have to decide, like, what are we going to teach these people? And, I'm te and this is correct. This is the correct thing to teach them. I'm teaching them how to run away. That's all I'm teaching you. If I have an hour and a half to teach you self-defense, if you're a woman, I'm teaching you how to get off people if they grab you, how to get away from them, and how to go run and get help. And yeah. anybody that teaches you anything else is a fucking charlatan. And yep. they're going to get you killed. All you need to... Ladies. Ladies. I've taught... 
I've specialized in teaching women for years. My wife has been training with me for years. We've had tons of amazing female martial artists that I've taught. And, but in a purely self-defense perspective, if, you're co if you go to a self-defense class and they're not teaching you how to stand up, how to run away, how to stop people from grabbing you, how to run, how to get up and get away, you are not training in the right spot. Purely from self-defense perspective. Yeah, I, you know, my, my, my sister is actually super interested. She, has, she just had a baby, um, 14 months old. And one of the things she asked for, which is something maybe you guys can work on next time, is that she has a kid. She's, most of the time, she's carrying around her kid. And, and I guess the specific self-defense situation is, what if I'm with my kid mm. and I need to do yeah. self-defense? That's something you guys should... That's should, interesting. That's interesting. Because that's, that changes the whole ballgame. And, yeah. and, you know... I, you know, my first reaction was to say, like, yeah, if you have a kid, no one's going to pick on you. But that was my thought. I, I, I thought about it, and I'm like, nah, there's some crazy motherfuckers out there, you know? Yeah. There's some crazy fucking douchebags out there that just want to prove a point. Yeah, that's a tough one because there's really no way to train for that. Yeah. Because, like, what do you, you – th What do you do, right? What, like, what? I, don't, I don't know. I, Fuck. I mean, yeah. that's a tough – you <laughs> – yeah, that really tough. You carrying carrying a kid. I mean, the most important thing you can do in that sort of situation is, is block just the kid, right? Yeah, but is preventative measures are the most important yeah. thing you can do if you're with your kid. Don't go to an area where your kid yeah. shouldn't be or you yeah. shouldn't be. Fair enough. Because yeah. I mean, like my wife was kind of joking with me as we're planning this women's only self defense seminar, and she's like, "Well, what do you do if somebody has a knife? Well, what do you do if somebody has like a brick? Like, what do you do if somebody?" She was just giving me all of these. Like, she's laughing in the back. Uh, she was just giving me all these ridiculous chloroform. Yeah, she goes the, the, the yeah. casual the casual chloroform in my pocket yes. thing. She, she goes, "What yeah. if they have chloroform?" I'm like, uh. "Dude, if somebody chloroforms you, you're fucked." Like, there's no you there's did, no amount boy. of training yeah, you, you can did. do. Yeah. yeah, you're fucked. And as we sort of going back to what we were saying earlier, if you end up in a self defense situation, the most important thing for you to learn is how to run. Yeah, how to get up, how to not have a false. If you square up with somebody and think you're going to box them. Or yeah. head kick them, or take them down, even. Like, and and, and I know you know what I I think. Sorry to interrupt you, but no, I ahead. think it goes back to the whole like toxic martial arts. Oh, mindset. I'm glad you brought this back. You know, yeah. you know it 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 really does because we we talk we, we we deviated from that point from the start like toxic taekwondo. But you notice one thing about traditional martial artists versus like the modern guys who do a lot. Of, I would call them like pugilists pugilist versus traditional martial artists. Well, right? there's sport versus self-defense. Yep. Right? There's two clearly different clearly. classes here. And, and the good thing about Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu is that it kind of blends both together in a lot of ways. But the traditional guys, they tend to have this like degree of machismo. Yeah. And I think that's fucking dangerous. Man. Well, this is one of the toxic elements. So dangerous, dude. Like, I mean, if there, if there was two ways that I could... If I were to give it, you guys an easy consumable description of the main toxic things to if you're looking for a gym and you're looking for red flags about where not to train and let me tell you if you're training martial arts there are red flags there most academies are places that you don't want to be and most of them are based on the instructor the two red flags that i i know immediately is the instructor having sex with students number one let me say that again is the instructor fucking students if that happens get the fuck out of there <laughs> You need to leave because this is, it's so common. In Singapore? Everywhere. Everywhere, right? It's yeah. so common that it's like a well-known cliche. Oh, uh, what happened? Oh, the personal trainer fucked my wife or fuck this affair with the personal trainer or the yoga instructor. Everybody has a story like that. Everybody. And it's no different in martial arts culture. There is this, there is this hierarchy that exists when you're in the gym, right? And there are these power dynamics that exist between the alpha 
and the students. Yep. And if you're a martial arts instructor, that can easily go to your head. Power corrupts. Power corrupts, exactly. Yeah. And if you're at a gym where you've heard rumors of this, you need to leave because this shit is universal. It's everywhere. Yep. And these power dynamics that exist specifically between the men and the women that train is one of the most toxic elements It sucks, that man. I, 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 think, I think a lot of us who have been in this long enough have experienced it. Everybody knows someone man. after a couple of years of training. And it sucks. It fucking sucks. Yeah. It fucking sucks to be just a student who's trying to learn, who's trying to get better. Yeah. And then you just see this fucking favoritism. You, yeah. see, you see like... And not only that, not even the favoritism, but like, listen, <laughs> I, I, I think if I ever, if Stronghold becomes a huge gym and we get branches everywhere, I'm like, my rule set will be if you're in a shark, you get one. Yeah. You're allowed to date yeah. one student. If it becomes two, you got to go. Yeah. You got to, you get, you get that opportunity one time because you can't, you can't yeah, help you it. You can't use it, right? You can't yeah. just use this That's as like it. a pass, right? And the other, the other really toxic thing that happens, and again, this is all instructor based. The first mm-hmm. one is sex with the students that that is a no-no and evolve this is the one thing where you have it right if Cha- if chachri or any of these people find out i train there if they find out that students are having sex with the teachers or the instructors the instructors are gone yep and that is the way it should be it's good ethics. that is yes it's good ethics. principle because you can't have that permeating your You're culture a fucking your martial gym. artist yes. fucking act like it and right? there are power dynamics there that you cannot take advantage of yeah and uh the other one the other really big problem that you'll see is sort of favoritism to the instructor. In other words, the instructor is like a god. Mm. The instructor is the peer. Like, all of the guys want to be him. All the girls want to be with him, and they sort of use that. It, listen, if you go to a jiu-jitsu gym, and the students are giving your teacher rides, they're helping them move, they're doing all this shit, they're paying for their stuff, they're... All of that. If they're doing that... These are red flags. These are red flags. Red flags, Red man. flags. I'm telling you. Yeah. If all of the students treat this person like they are somehow above the law... That they're the tip of the, the, these are all problems that you got. These are toxic, toxic yeah. issues that you got to, you got to get out. Yeah. Because that can ruin your training. And at the end, eventually on a long enough time frame, this will bring your gym down. Yep. I've sure. seen it countless times, countless gyms. Mm-hmm. And, and this is just shit you've you got to avoid. And, it, and it's actually stuff that you can, it's quite easy to see. If you go to a few gyms in Singapore, not naming any names, but you can see it. But, you know, just as a student or someone who's wanting to pick up martial arts for the first time, you go there, even if your gut kind of tells you something is off, try another gym, man. Well, can we, can we, I don't know if we're supposed to talk about this because it's, but everybody in the martial arts community knows this. <sighs> There's a guy called Josh Robinson who used to, used to be a martial arts instructor in Singapore. Yeah. And this is taboo. So viewer discretion advised as we go forward with this. But Josh Robinson was a martial arts instructor in Singapore. He had a huge YouTube channel. He, uh, 30,000 something subscribers. He, everybody knew this guy. He promoted a lot of the jiu-jitsu competitions. Like four or five years ago, you could not go to a jiu-jitsu tournament without seeing this guy. You could not train without crossing paths with this guy. I trained with him personally. I coached with him. I was training with fighters who were fighting and won when he would be there for the training sessions. I mean, the community is small. So everybody knows this. And... Long story short, this guy ended up being one of the largest pedophiles in the history of Singapore. They, they, they. That's bad. That was bad. For I don't Singapore. even want to talk about it because it's yeah. so bad. So bad, I'm kind of treading lightly here, but basically, they found out this guy was a massive pedophile. He was, 
He was messaging girls on social media apps that were underage, getting them to meet them when they're telling them to not wear underwear. He got caught oh, while he was teaching at a gym, showing a video of himself doing sexual acts. To, he was showing this to a young girl, like way underage girl. And this yeah. guy ended up going to jail for years. Not as long as he should have, but he ended up going to jail for like four or something years. The biggest pedophile ring digital like they they, they yeah, confiscated his hard drive thousands of images yeah. meetups with multiple people i mean this shit was bad and and, and it went all over the bad, news man. it went viral everybody he heard about it abused everyone's trust everyone yeah and parents and, pa and that's the thing right like it's one thing to abuse your students trust he did this the, the video that yeah. i'm talking about apparently you can look this up it's all singapore released all this information so i'm not yeah. I'm not, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not rumors, right? The guy went to jail. But the story was that he showed a video of himself doing like sexual acts to a small girl Ooh. of a dad that he was training. Yep. He was training the dad yeah. and then he went to the that, side. That came out in this, the newspaper, right? This was yeah. in the newspaper. This was in the newspaper itself. I mean, this is just insane, yeah. fucked up shit. And you start to get an idea of how the power dynamics can go. How it can corrupt you. How it can right. corrupt you. Fuck you up, right? And this was a guy that everybody knew, everybody trained with him. People respected him. I mean, people, he, he, yeah. And he's one of these guys that honestly got off a bit lightly. Yeah. A bit lightly. Four years, I think, was his sentence. And I don't know if he's still what his situation is. But I mean, this was big news. That's and cool. it's a very clear indicator of what it's like when this culture just runs amok. Yep. And I think it's, that's why it's so important to keep it in check, you know, just. That's why it's good not to support the gyms that you feel like they're red flags. A lot of people feel like, oh, maybe that's just how martial arts is supposed to be. But no, listen to your fucking gut. If it feels yeah. dodgy, if it feels off, just don't fucking train there. Don't well, support shit like that. Well, one of the key uh, elements to, to, to this gym, to Stronghold, is that my wife and I run it together. Yep. So, again, I, I said earlier that I pride myself on making an environment that's conducive to women to train because I believe it's some of the most important thing you can do is to train women. Because if there's a lot of women in your gym, that's immediately an indicator that things are good, yep. that things are safe. Yep. And when my wife is teaching classes and when my wife is, as soon as a girl comes in, I'm like, train with my wife immediately. Because one, it means she's there. So you don't have to worry about me. Right. Like it's a self run gym. It's a husband and wife owned gym. Yep. So like if people come in, this is my wife. She's right here right away. The barriers go down because you don't have to worry. Yeah. And the second thing is there's a high level female that's here that's training with you yep. also. So straight away, there's a positive environment. You can bring your kids here. My wife is here. You can bring your girlfriend here. Yeah. My wife is here. This is a safe environment for you to train because right away you can see yep. this is a husband and wife run thing. So straight away, that's a level of safety. Yep that you won't get necessarily other places. Yeah, having, having Charmaine here is, is, is fucking amazing because every time you, like even I bring new people here, you know, even like, like we were talking about the still boxing instructors or any, any, because boxing, martial arts getting more popular in Singapore, but in the boutique kind of cardio way, but when they want to make the transition and a lot of them are females, it's good to have someone like Charmaine because it, 
not all of them will be comfortable with sparring with dudes all the time, especially yeah. if, if they want to do jujitsu, man. It's it's sweaty fucking It's another one of those dudes, things that's a weird right? dynamic. There's yeah. an underlying strange dynamic. You got to get used to it first, right? A dude right? rolling with a chick yeah. and choking her. Especially there in Asia. A, yeah, especially in Asia. For sure there's yeah. a I mean it, you don't feel it when you're cuz it's just like fun. We're just we're having fun, we're but laughing. You get but it if you get it, you get it. In right? the underlying yeah. in the subtext. Yeah. There's a weird yeah. dy- this is this power dynamic, yeah. right? It it permeates deeply. It's deeply ingrained. Yeah. And if you're at a good gym, you don't feel it. But it's there. Ultimately, they're, they're coming here to learn self-defense. But then it's ironic that a guy is learning the same moves that could counter her self-defense in a yeah. lot of ways. But that's why it's so good to have someone like Charmaine who's like a savage purple belt who can fuck a lot of guys up. Mm. It gives well, they do. confidence, if right? We, if we get a bro dude... I, I used to do this in clinch all the time because yeah. Malaysia's a bit, bro, a bit yeah, more intense yeah. sometimes than Singapore. And uh, there would be times where we would, get, storm you. we would get the bros, right? The bros yeah. that would come in, a lot of teenagers, yeah. lot, like as you would, right? Yeah. Late teens, early 20s, guys full of piss and vinegar that want to yeah. fucking fight, right? Yeah. And uh, if they come in with that attitude, I'm like, okay, cool, spar with my wife. Yeah. Because immediately, humbled. they're going to be humbled. Humbled. Immedi- they don't understand that, like, listen, if you get, you get tapped out by a 50 kg girl, <laughs> you quickly will reassess your values as a human being yeah, yeah, and yeah. as a man, right? Maybe, maybe you should learn this shit, right? <laughs> exactly. Cause, and that's exactly the point. If she taps you out, two things are going to happen. One, you're never going to come back. Or two, you're going to be like, I got to learn this. Yeah. Because if she can do it, then it's not about brute strength. It's not about physicality. It's pure technique. And it goes back to what we were saying. If you want to learn this shit, you got to leave your fucking ego at the door. Yeah. No one, no coach is going to teach you this shit if you're a fucking douchebag. And that's going to lead me into another toxic, toxic cultural point of training martial arts. If, I'm looking at the camera directly, if you go to a gym, jujitsu gyms in particular, and the coach does not roll anymore, you're training at a bad gym. If the coach is overweight, if he's given up, if he doesn't train with the students anymore, this is a red flag that you need to leave because a yeah. couple of things can happen. One, they're afraid of being tapped out, uh. which can happen when you get higher level students, right? Yeah. Like if you're, if you're a black belt and you're teaching brown belts and you get tapped out by your brown belts, you don't want that to happen in front of your students because it's embarrassing. So if you're at a gym and your coach is getting massively overweight and he quits training and he quits rolling and he gets higher and higher on his pedestal talking about, oh, here's another toxic culture thing. If your instructor preaches, whether it's about religion, whether it's about any dogma that they put on you, whether it's about this is how you should act, this is what you should do, this is how... If they give you any of that shit, this is what you should believe, this is what you think. If they sit there on the mat and they give you their philosophy on life... You probably need to move on. So, so Luke, is there, are there any gyms like that in Singapore? Oh. <laughs> many, 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 many gyms. And if you're at a gym where the instructors think that their martial arts is the religion and that this is the ultimate system, probably need to find another place to, yeah. to train. You know, that, that going back to Joe Rogan's podcast, he, he brought on John Jock Machado, mm. Rip Belt, fucking savage. The guy doesn't need to do anything for people to respect him anymore, but the guy still trains like he was still competing. Yeah. Because for him, it's a lifestyle. And he, and he said it, right? You, you, you're, in a Brazilian accent, you're a martial artist, poha. Mm. Why you no train, yeah. poha? Why you fat, poha? <laughs> right? And, 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 you know, comic, comedy aside, but it's true. Like, why would anyone want to learn from me if, I was overweight or if yeah. I just wasn't training anymore, wasn't sparring anymore, wasn't keeping up to date. The game changes, man. Yes, it That's does. one of the things, right? Yeah. Like Bruce, Bruce Lee said it best, right? You know, you know people who learn Jeet Kune Do, 
doesn't make sense. You know, you're learning in that fucking singular path. But Bruce Lee's philosophy was all about evolving and, and getting better and, and keeping what is good, discarding what is bad. Yeah. And, and that's the ultimate thing, right? That's, and that's the thing. The cross-training appeal is huge. Yeah. You need to train. Nowadays, you have to train. I mean, this is the thing about my gym, right? Like, so I'm a brown belt. I've been a brown belt for like six years. I'm a four-stripe brown belt. My entire system that I teach here is based on MMA. Yep. Like, if you want to go to a gi-specific, if you want to get trained by, like, Italo, one of my old coaches, right? He's a master in the gi. Savage. I mean, Jake Amazing. McKenzie, you should train with him. Master yeah, in the both, gi. Both savages. Like, they are specialists. So good. I'm yeah. never going to get to that level of specialism when it comes purely to jiu-jitsu. Because I can't. Because I'm doing Muay Thai three hours a day. Yep. Or I'm doing striking. Or I'm doing, I do also no gi. Or I'm doing heel hooks. And they don't want to do that kind of stuff because they're specific to the gi. There's a level of mastery that you get by practicing one discipline exclusively. Yeah. It's the same thing with the ties. If you're doing Muay Thai and you go to the ties, there's a level of mastery that they're gonna get that you you're not gonna get. get if you cross train. If you split your time between striking and grappling, you have to accept the fact that there's a certain level you cannot reach by doing that, plain and simple. This Watch is just- MMA, right? Yeah. Level of, people complain, boxers complain level of striking isn't good in MMA. Grapplers complain that level of grappling isn't good in MMA. But they don't realize that putting two of them together is not fucking easy, man. Which is why I, I foster my program in a purely martial arts context. I've got, I, I used to work at a gym called Trifecta here, and it was basically divided into two camps. Yep. These were the Muay Thai people, and these were the Jiu-Jitsu people. And these were taught by Brazilians, and these were taught by Thais. And they would very rarely cross. Yeah. I was the only one. Never. One of the only ones. Yeah, yeah. You they would were the do only both. One. You were the only and one. And I was campaigning yeah. that, like, no, yeah. it's not about that. It's about yeah. martial arts. Martial arts as a whole. Mm. It's not about this discipline or this discipline. Because, okay, cool. You do Muay Thai. What do you do if you get taken down? Can you even sprawl? Because yeah. if you can't sprawl, you're fucked. <laughs> Same thing with jiu-jitsu. Cool. You want to play guard? You want to play guard on top while someone's punching you in the face? You think it's the same? You're crazy. If you think you can close your guard on somebody who's trying to elbow you from the top and that you're just going to be able to play your, your deep half or your whatever sport-specific jiu-jitsu yeah. positions you want, it's crazy. Barambolo shit. Yeah, barambolo, deep half where your head's right there. You're going to eat hammer fists. Like, I want a comprehensive martial arts game. So I stress to my students over and over and over again, cross-train, do yeah. both. I want you to have a well-rounded game that is universal. So that way you understand martial arts, not one thing specifically yep. or another thing specifically. Yep. I agree. And I think that's the good thing about being Singaporean in a sense. You know, a lot of us won't be world champions at jiu-jitsu or Muay Thai, but a lot of us will pick up martial arts and respect it as a hobby. And because you do that, just learn both. No, no fucking harm in learning jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai and some wrestling and even some self-defense stuff. A lot of Singaporeans still think like, if I learn Muay Thai, I always have to listen to Thais. I cannot do Jiu-Jitsu because it's disrespectful. But any coach that tells you that it's disrespectful to cross-train is a fucking idiot. Yeah. Well, because there, I mean, there's, there's multiple schools of thought, right? If you only do Muay Thai, you're, you're forsaking the grappling, yep. right? But you can achieve a high level of mastery in that context. Yeah. If you only do Jiu-Jitsu, same thing, right? If you cross-train you sacrifice a certain amount of specificity that you get by being a jack of all trades, yep. right? So you sort of have to decide what school that you want to, no matter what, you're sacrificing something, right? But I relish the fact that like, okay, when I used to roll with some Brazilians, I knew for a fact that if this was an MMA fight, 
some of this shit is not going to work. Yep. Right? Like, taking somebody down who has a wrestling background when they can also strike is very different than taking somebody down when it's just grappling. Yeah. And the same thing. When I would spar with the ties, I'm like, yeah, but if I took you down, this is a different game. Yeah. And I relish that. Yeah, you, I you, love you, that fact that yeah. I can manipulate the situation because my wrestling, my wrestling is my base. That yep. was the first thing I ever did was wrestling. Yep. So there's a certain amount that unless you're high level, I can control where the fight takes place, whether you're Thai or Brazilian. And I love that because I'm not going to be beat a Thai who's had 300 fights. Yep. And I'm not going to beat a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt who's been doing it in Brazil since they were five years old. That's got world championships and multiple tournaments that they won in Brazil. I'm not going to do that. You're but if this is MMA, yeah. there's a wild card now. Yeah. I, I may not win. I might get caught in a submission or I might get head kicked by a Thai. But there's a certain level of... Uh, the in-between. There's a variable yeah. now that makes things the scramble, interesting. scramble, everything in between. Yeah. And you see this all the time in MMA, right? You see it all the time um, with multiple people. And you see that when you increase the complexity, there's, there's nuance and there's variables that exist that don't exist in the traditional martial arts. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm getting a note from my producer that we are going to have to wrap this motherfucker up. Oh, we keep talking. Okay, we're going to keep talking then. So we can keep going? How much longer? Okay, let's okay. keep on going because I didn't want to wrap it up there. I'm, I'm rolling. Yeah. Well, what do you think about that? Because you, you cross-trained your blue belt in jiu-jitsu. You've yeah, been I, doing Muay Thai for 10 years. Look, I, 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 maybe I'll tell you my sporting background. I started with rugby at the age of primary two. That's like year two in whatever American way. That's kind of like ooh, eight, eight, nine years, years old. old yeah. Nine years old. My dad put me in rugby because I was being a little bitch and wanted to join chess club. Hey, he was like nothing wrong. How nothing wrong with chess club. How dare you, Chris? There's but, nothing but, wrong but with chess. But I was chess, I was a little bitch who was scared of dirt. So my dad was like, <laughs> Very Singaporean. I think I need to put make my boy uh, toughen him uh, up, toughen a bit. it up a little bit. Got a lot of injuries from rugby, but you know you learn a lot of things about rugby about that are quite similar in striking or even in jujitsu. Can give you a good double leg for sure. Like it gave you know me, how to tackle gave someone. Me, gave me a pretty good base in in, in jujitsu. So I, I I went into jujitsu. Honestly, I love jujitsu, but I want—I always wanted to do striking. I was just a fat boy, and and if if any of you fat boys out there, it is not easy to strike when you are a fat boy. <laughs> you gotta lose weight first. It, it no no two ways about it. So you, the mobility, right? The mobility, right? Mm -hmm. Striking is about fluidity a lot of the time. Jujitsu, you can get away with being a, a bruiser, a pressure fighter, or just you know like Zozo. Nah. So, no, so, so, he's skinny, it. man. He I has a six-pack, Superman. <laughs> but yeah, you know, in jiu-jitsu, you can get away with the, the... A lot of people call it the old man style, but you don't hear about that in, in, in striking. So I, I did jiu-jitsu. It's specifically to grappling, right? Yeah. This is one of those things, though. Sorry, a little bit yeah, of a digression here. If you're old, in your 40s, in Grappling's your 50s, better, right? grappling is the move. But, but that's why, because I, I mean, now I'm 28. I still feel like I feel young now. I can still do some striking. Yeah, you're still explosive. I, I, wanna, I just want to compete in striking first get that shit out of my system because it's not smart you know it, it, it's not smart to compete in striking because like we said just now you could die anything could happen someone hits if you if you wrong. do it the right way it's okay Yeah. If most you, if people are fine right yeah, most honestly. people are fine most honestly people, most people are you fine you are well trained enough you're not the buzzfeed people we were talking about earlier who are like I did Muay Thai for three months yeah. watch my first fight get yeah. choked out immediately like, <laughs> but the thing is striking just has so much more risk than, than Jiu Jitsu but that's what makes it makes it so fucking exciting. Yeah, the risks are high. Yeah, man. You know, it, it sounds sick and twisted, but the fact that you could get knocked out anytime, even when I'm, when I'm sparring with you, Luke, like, the fact that you could just land something so clean and crisp that it just puts my light up, lights out, it's 
it's exciting. Well, the risk of it is there, but you don't want that in the training. Right? You don't want that in the training, but the thing is, you know, this is the potential the, exists. This is the reality of being a striker. Yeah. You know, and 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 one thing I always tell my friends when they ask me, what's the difference between jujitsu and and striking? And and instead of just telling them, oh, it's grappling versus striking, but like in striking, you have this element where, when someone puts a guard up in jujitsu, you can't just crash your head into the guard and expect things to work. Yeah. But in striking. In striking, when someone has a guard up, if you're technical enough and good enough to strike them at the same spot in the guard, you can break that guard. Yeah. And that changes. And, you can and people, overwhelm them with pressure, with you know, violence, with attacks. That's that are, one. The puncher's chance, right? The puncher's, the puncher's chance. chance exists. But that's one thing that changes the whole dynamics of a grappling yeah. fight and a striking fight. No doubt about it's it. It's so different. It yeah. makes... It's one thing. I, I, you know, it, it's one thing and it makes the whole dynamics different. And that's what makes striking interesting yeah there's an element of chaos of randomness that exists yeah. i mean uh, you know joe rogan again talks about this there there is such a thing as a lucky punch yep there's really not like a lucky triangle there's no, not no, like no, a no, yeah. like like grappling is such a technical thing and striking is too of course but listen if you're a francis Ngannou, like francis Ngannou trained for three years before he entered the ufc and that guy has so much physical power yeah that if he he's like mike tyson-esque if he hits you you are Fucked. He's just got so much power. And when bones are flying, fists are flying, shins are flying, there's just a certain amount of randomness and chaos that's not controllable in the same way that it would be in a grappling context. For sure. I mean, we the two the two uh, people that joined us just now for the class, they were from still boxing, but they you know predominantly they focus on fitness a lot, and they were athletic people one girl one guy i know i saw them peak, sparring together and peak, they were throwing heat and i'm like Fuck. fucking performance and they picked up striking so much faster than they did grappling yeah grappling is this technical thing but because there's just nothing you can do when it comes to grappling right yeah. like if you're a beginner and you don't know shit yeah. even if you're athletic like you are just so fucked like yeah. there's just not yeah. you, you you do whatever the fuck you want to me i'm a blue belt you're a no belt yeah. I'm going to fuck you up. Yeah. I'm confident in that. But if, if it's a strike, a striking contest, and you are this jack motherfucker. And you start swinging haymakers. I'm going to be scared. Yeah, I, there's I, an element I, of danger I'm gonna there. I'm going to get the fuck out. You're 130 kilograms. I'm going to get the fuck away Although from you. Although I will add a layer of complexity to this argument, which yeah. is MMA. If you can strike while you're grappling, yeah. that also exists sure. in a higher level For than sure. if you were just only doing jiu-jitsu if you're only doing which is where the self-defense comes in right yeah. because if we're only doing jiu-jitsu and there's no strikes then that's true yeah but if it's a street fight and we're on the ground and you're a jiu-jitsu black belt and you think the person on top and your closed guard can't drop elbows on you yep yep and all of a sudden this game is different don't pull god yes <laughs> don't, don't pull, pull guard and this is <laughs> as soon as you add the strikes yeah. The, the level of control and randomness, the level of control decreases and the level of randomness yeah. increases to an uncomfortable level. Which is like what you always tell us when, you know, newcomers or even when we're more advanced, you explain the point system to us, which a lot of gyms, gyms don't do. You know, you know, there are point systems in competitive jiu-jitsu and the fact of the matter is it's all based on striking, right? Yeah. It's all based on dominant striking positions. People don't realize that. They, they, a lot of people just do spot jiu-jitsu and they realize that, oh, I do baron bolo, I sweep you, I get dominant position, it's two points, three points, four points, whatever it well, is. So, so elaborate on that a bit. For example, why do you not get points for the side control but you do get points for the knee on belly? Because the knee on belly is just so much more dominant in terms of striking. You know, If you have a month in striking class, you know how to punch someone, you know how to hit someone, you go knee and belly, 
Can you explain the physical mechanics? The, describe yeah, yeah, the yeah. You know, in side control, you, you're chest to chest a lot of the time. You're trying to put the knee above the guy, you know, trying to isolate the arms. You, you're doing a lot of things to control the opponent. Ultimately, it's about control. Oh, sorry, that was strong. Fuck. <laughs> anyway, oh, God. Yeah, side control is all about control. That's why it's the, that's the name. But with control, there comes a lot of, like, inhibitions to how much you can strike. But yeah. knee and belly... Knee and belly has less control. Everyone knows that. They posture up. up. Someone can push your knee away. It's not difficult to push someone's knee away when they're on your belly. But the risk of putting two hands to the knee means no one, nothing's protecting your face. Yeah. You're gonna get punched. You're gonna get elbowed. You're gonna get knocked out. Mm. Especially if you, if you've only done jujitsu without striking, you're gonna think that this is the knee and belly escape. I just put my two hands on the dude's knee and I push and I invert. But if you don't do it fast and explosively, the guy's gonna and with the right timing, with the right timing, the guy's gonna elbow the fuck out of you. Yeah. Even even someone who has no martial arts training, someone yeah. who's who's maybe a gangster who's just I mean, you just get bum tackled in a street fight, and yeah. someone ends up on top of you in that sort of position. Yeah, and and I and that's again going back to, in a lot of ways, modern jujitsu has that toxic martial arts mentality that jiu-jitsu is the best it's but, the king but you know what a lot of jiu-jitsu these days a lot of jiu-jitsu classes don't teach the element of defending against strikes which I, I teach it day one yeah, you always do, you do, yeah. it, even today we had two absolute beginners never took a jiu-jitsu class I explain what the guard is how to pass it what your job is on top when you how the scoring yeah. system like you said takes effect and why it's so important that, like day one I explain Okay, if I'm on my back and my feet are on your hips, if you try to punch me in the face, I can push you with my legs, yep. right? If I'm flat on my back and Chris tries to punch me and my legs are facing him, I can push him away with my legs. If he tries to hit me in the head, I can just push with my feet. As soon as you pass the legs, you lose that. Yep. And this is how the scoring system in Jiu-Jitsu was designed. I, you know, e- even in your classes, you, you were telling them stuff like, don't, don't dip your head when you're the top guy because if you dip your head, someone can come with an up kick perfect example how do people pass the guard yeah standing they, up two hands on the shin head down but guess what if you drop your chin and you're low when you're trying to pass the guard in a real fight you're getting punted in the face yeah, <laughs> someone's gonna knock the shit yes or you. kick you in the balls or kick you in the kneecaps yep. or whatever and these are very important elements this is why if i get a beginner the first drill i do is you're on your back other person standing on their feet feet on the hips you try to slap somebody in the head. And when I reach up and try to slap you, if I'm on top, you push away with your legs. Mm. Just so you understand how important the guard is yep. and what the function of your legs are disengage. in a grappling right? context. Yeah. Right? And then, so for this women's self-defense seminar that I'm talking about, that's the whole game. If you're down and someone's on top of you, push them away with your legs, stand up, and get yeah. the fuck out of there. Yeah, the whole right? seminar is just about, like, how to get the fuck away, right? We good? Yeah, just how to get how to get the fuck away. And people need to real people need to realize that fighting is not the first option. I think the first option is de-escalation. Yep. The second option is run away. Run away. Plain and simple. Plain, Plain simple. and simple. Yeah. That's it. It's yeah. not glamorous. It's not. You're not a Spartan. You're not in the fucking. You're not a gladiator. Yeah. You're just trying to not die. Yeah. That is the hierarchy that you're dealing with yeah. when it comes to self-defense situations. Yeah. You know, recently there was um, in Phuket there was a Singaporean woman who had a, a, a husband who who made some noise when uh, when I think this Norwegian dude was singing karaoke at two a.m. and at four a.m. the guy came into stormed into this guy's room and choked the 
the woman's husband out until the guy died. In Singapore? No, no, in Phuket. Oh, in Phuket. But Phuket. Singaporean, you know, Singaporean wife, uh. husband, so it became news in Singapore. Yeah. But man, you know, people just need to learn basic self-defense, how to get the fuck away from from shit like this, man. Yeah, which is which is really the important thing that you need to teach. Do you remember, remember sorry, this, is, this will be our last segment and then we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, do you remember like six months ago when there was this fight that happened in like a Tampanese school or was it a Tua school or something? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, one of these schools. They yeah. recorded it and it was two guys fighting kids, in a bathroom. Right? Yeah, two yeah, kids yeah, 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 fighting that, in a secondary yeah. school, like bare knuckle boxing in the bathroom. Obviously watch some UFC. Yeah, yeah, and they just wanted to fight in the bathroom, right? Yeah. They just sat there, no no gloves, just squared up and then squashed some, yeah. si- some shit in the bathroom. Yeah, And like when that happened, my thoughts were like, first of all, you need to teach these people. People don't understand violence. Yeah. And this is one of the real insights that you get when you train. Yeah. Is you get a real understanding of what violence is. And it is not pretty. It's not something that you, people glorify it, right? Like you're a gladiator. You're a warrior. warrior you're the, whatever fucking platitudes and whatever things that they want to create, this dynamic that they yeah. want to create where it glorifies violence. But let me tell you something, like violence in its real form is not something that you want to deal with. Fucked up, man. And uh, especially in self-defense, which is what most people want, is like they don't need to be a world champion. They don't want to be a UFC fighter. They just want to know for them or for their kids or for their wife or whatever, like, okay, if shit gets crazy, how do I deal with it? And that relationship with violence is what's at the cornerstone of martial arts training. And you learn to not hurt people. You learn yeah. what it's like to get hurt because you get hurt all the time. And you learn what it's like to get hit in the body and punched yeah. in the face and choked. Yeah. And you will quickly learn that your life when training martial arts should be geared toward avoiding that yeah. at that, all costs. Iron- and yeah. not force it on other people. That's the irony of it all, right? People who don't train martial arts tend to think that, okay, because I don't know martial arts, I don't know how to defend myself, I need to puff up my chest and let, act like a big motherfucker. Like, act like someone who can, like, you know, if I'm loud enough, you just stay the fuck away from me. But they don't realize that that's not how it works, man. Yeah. You just antagonize the other motherfucker who's, who's probably quite chill at that point. And there's always a bigger fish. Always a bigger fish, man. Mm. Always a bigger there's fish. There's always the wrong and, and person to talk to. That's one thing you learn in martial arts, you know. It's always the irony, right? When you, when you learn martial arts and you, you get to a proficient level, you just don't want to pick fights with people. You just don't want to fight in the street because you know how much damage you can do and you know how much damage it can do to yourself. If the guy is better than you, what the fuck? You know, and, and this is so well, it's possible. It's the same thing with Stephen Lim, Stephen Lim, right? Is that the guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, guy yeah. that fought, yeah, the Indian the, the guy. Indian dude, yeah. And it's the same thing, right? Like in your head, you think violence is going to be this way. And then all of a sudden, you're the guy that effectively killed somebody. You killed someone. I mean, he killed someone. Yeah. I mean, it was the stress. It's not like he landed a shot that killed him. But the, the very thing that they did is what led to his death. Yeah. So it's something that feels cute in your head until all of a sudden someone is dead. The organizers, you know, they probably thought like, oh, it would be funny to see two guys punch each other in the face. But fucking punching each other in the face is not funny at all. It, fighting is not funny. It yeah. shouldn't be a joke. Like, it, it should be taken seriously. People should learn it from a young age. People should just prepare themselves. That, And once you learn it, that, that's the thing, right? You don't want to get involved with it. And just it will last you for the rest of your life. If you train a certain amount, I think the magic number is somewhere between three and five years. Yeah. I've had people ask me in training, and we'll wrap up on this point. Yeah. What's, people have asked me, how long do I need to train for these things to last me for the rest of my life? 
I think it's somewhere between three to five years. If you can get a blue belt or a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, that's enough grappling that it's going to be in your body for the rest of your life. Yeah. Most situations, no how rusty in an unarmed right? situation, yeah. you will know how to react. Fair. Somewhere between three to five years if you're dealing with an untrained, drunken fool <laughs> who's just talking shit or something, right? Yeah. So I, at the very least, I recommend everybody do that. Get your kids in martial arts. Do it yourself. Three to five years, and those benefits will last you for the rest of your life. In a controlled, I mean, again, if someone pulls out a gun or someone like my wife say fucking chloroforms you or something like that, then you don't, you don't stand a chance. If someone has a brick, then you need to just leave. <laughs> like leave the situation before you get bricked. But on a, in a reason, the amount of training that is reasonable to expect results from three to five years will pr protect you through most situations. But. That's three to five years of getting choked out, getting punched, getting kicked in the head. Not everyone likes to do that. Not everyone likes to do that, but I recommend you do. Yep. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up on this weird note about getting choked kicked up. in the head and enjoying, choked out. Enjoying to get choked out. And uh, yeah. we finished our drink. Chris, Cheers. pleasure, my man, as always. Yeah. If you guys, we're gone. Cheers. You haven't even finished that. that. What shit, the man. fuck is this, bro? Hey. No. Oh, don't do it. Oh, oh, Ooh. breathe it out, baby. Breathe it out. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you, oh. now, now, now you're, you know, now you're, you're, part of us. you're now wobbling you're home. Us, no. You're yeah. wobbling home. So we're going to get Wugan to come train with us pretty soon. And I think maybe we film that too. Yeah. I want to see what sweet. training's like for you before you ever start. And then as you go, yeah. that'd be sweet. I don't know. Well, that's, no, that's, that's what it martial arts for. Man. We'll get rid of that. It will disappear. Okay, so thank you guys for watching. If you want to find us, Stronghold Podcast, you can find it online. Uh, you can look me up on Instagram, Lucas Leisure. You can look up stronghold.sg. That's the website, stronghold.sg at, at Gmail, strongholdpodcast at Gmail. If you're cool and you want to come on the podcast, just send me a, a message. Chris? Don't look me up, man. Don't, don't look him up. Yeah, just, just get the fuck away from me. But <laughs> thanks for training, man. Pleasure as always. always. Okay, cheers, guys. Thank you. See ya.